0: Why You'll Never Be a Rapper, a memoir mixtape by Josh What's-His-Name-Lefkowitz, forward by Fonte Coleman. Chapter 2, My First Song I soon realized that hip-hop had been around me all along. On bus 92, my humid rides home were often accompanied by the sounds of students banging and tapping the side of the metal bus to create beats until all the other passengers, including myself, would join in. It was like something out of a low-budget hip-hop musical circa 1986. But to an 8-year-old boy who just discovered emotion driven by sound and rhythm, it was everything. It wasn't the South Bronx, but hip-hop was alive and well in Durham, NC. In school talent shows and performance assemblies, students at Pearsontown often danced to songs like The Freaks Come Out at Night and Five Minutes of Funk by Houdini. And when they played Michael Jackson songs, my classmates did the WAP, the PREP, and the Freddy Krueger. I even witnessed a few breakdance battles in my neighborhood. Sometimes I'd follow the older kids on my bike to Hope Valley North, where they would show off their popping, locking, and footwork. It was exciting, even though they usually lost. From then on, I spent almost every day at John's house. Sometimes we'd play Dr. J vs. Larry Bird on this Commodore 64 for hours until we couldn't see straight. One day after a bender, John left the room for a few minutes, then made his way back into the dark, wood-paneled living room that was our gaming quarters. The door flew open and slammed into the massive floor-model TV. John entered the room like he was shooting a rap video, limping just so, while pointing down over and over, red in the face and trying to contain his excitement. His sneakers were so crisp that they almost illuminated like a lightning bug's ass. And as his feet moved, I couldn't believe my eyes. Oh crap, what are those? I said, opening my eyes so wide that my eyebrows nearly touched the back of my head. Just some suede, Pumas, he said. Man, those are cool, I said. Yeah, I know. Just call me Romeo Fresh. I'd become well-versed in the pantheon of rappers, but this was a new one. Romeo Fresh, that's my rap name, John said. You rap? I asked. No, but everybody has a rap name, like even if you DJ a break, John explained. Oh, should I get one? Yeah, and you should get some suede Pumas, he told me. I would need to spend the next few weeks nagging my mom for the Pumas. But don't get the red and black ones like I got, because that's biting, John said. You should get the navy blue and white ones. By my mother's standards, a kid my age should get one pair of sneakers each year when school started, and they shouldn't cost more than about $30. Little did she know, she was now dealing with a budding b-boy who needed to look the part. The Pumas were closer to $45. Always the negotiator, I promised that they could be a part of my next Hanukkah present if she bought them for me now. She never held me to that deal, but eventually did take me to Hoffheimer's at South Square Mall where she helped to make my dreams come true. Don't tell your father how much these cost, she told me on the way home. In my mind, the person whose approval I needed was John's. You mind if I go to John's house real quick? Do you call him and see if that's okay? My mother said, always making sure I never did anything rude to anyone. No, but he won't care, I said reassuringly. Before she could even finish the sentence, I was running top speed out of the metal storm door, up our pine-needle-covered driveway, and up and down the black, asphalt hills that led to John's house. John was like a proud father, but he had more wisdom to impart. Just getting the shoes wasn't enough. Oh no. Take the laces out, he told me. No self-respecting b-boy would wear the factory white laces. He left the room and returned to the kitchen table with one fat navy blue lace and another that was orange and black. "'See, what you do is lace them like this,' John said authoritatively. "'Untied? But won't they fall off my feet when I run?' I said. "'See, that's the thing,' John said, laughing. "'You don't run in them.' "'What nine-year-old boy doesn't run?' I thought. "'These ain't for running,' John said. "'These are for style so you can look fresh.'" So what do I do when I want to play basketball? I asked. You put on other shoes, he said. What other shoes? I don't know, John laughed again. You get different shoes for that. These, you gotta keep clean. And the laces are supposed to be different colors? Yes, that's called Mitch Match. that's how we do it. I couldn't ask my mom for yet another pair of sneakers when I had all but offered my kidney for the Pumas. John taught me how to clean the bottom of my sneakers with a toothbrush and soap while making sure the suede never got wet. But I never listened to John. I wore the hell out of those Pumas until they met their demise at a muddy birthday party at my friend Matt's house. But at least now I knew how hip hop looked, not just how it sounded. My second grade teacher's name was Miss Bebout, which in retrospect would have been a pretty great name for a rapper. She could have been like... I'm B-bout, I'll be about my business, taking out these bitches that be on my shit list. I'm pretty sure she didn't moonlight as a femme C battle rapper, but she made class fun and that was enough for me. My favorite part of her classroom was a clawfoot tub filled with pillows, where each student would go from time to time and read. Having no interest in reading anything, let alone books about a moose that went to the dentist, my tub time would consist of talking until inevitably reprimanded. Miss B had a way of telling me that I was being disruptive without hurting my feelings, much like my dear mother who was my favorite person on earth. I guess that's why I liked her so much. One of my frequent tub mates slash co-conspirators in my anti-literary quest was Raheem. He was cool, at least as silly as me, and was down to shoot the shit at a moment's notice like I was. One day, both of us at least one X next to our names for talking deep on the chalkboard, I asked Raheem if he had heard the new Beastie Boys album. Yeah, of course, Raheem said nonchalantly. I've every taped this out. You do? I said. Once again, I was meeting one of my betters. Of course, man, I'm a rapper. I had never met a real rapper before. Yup, my cousin Thomas taught me how. You don't know how to rap. Yeah, well, I, I know. I just, I've never... I could teach you. You'll be straight. You can do it. It seemed unbelievable, but I was listening. Yeah, we can start a group, he said. I never considered actually being a rapper. I only knew that I loved rap. Raheem seemed confident enough in his ability, so I figured if he could do it, why couldn't I? For the next few days, any chance we got, we discussed how and what it was going to take for us to be rappers and laid out our plans the best way our young minds knew how to. First, we need a name, Raheem said. I thought for a second and said, "How about Salt and Pepper?" Now, before you go accusing me of theft, keep the following facts in mind: the female rap group Salt and Pepper gained popularity in about 87, 88 for their song "Push It," but this was 1986. Though officially S and first song, "Showstopper," was released a year earlier, it was relatively underground, and they didn't really get popular until later. I had never heard of them. No one had, at least not in Durham. For us, the name was inspired by a basketball game that we played in the neighborhood known as Salt vs. Pepper. Essentially it was segregated basketball, which seems pretty terrible in retrospect. In reality, it was nothing more than a way to split the teams up in a pinch. No different from shirts and skins. Raheem dug the name and on the playground I took Salt and Pepper to the next level. We needed a uniform. I was a terrible artist, but with a broken tree branch I began drawing a one-dimensional sweatshirt in the dirt and my idea for the design. We'll get gray sweatshirts, I said. On the front, it'll say SP diagonally like this. The left sleeve will say salt, the right one will say pepper, and then we'll put our names on the back. Raheem dug that too, and I stood proudly. All the while, I pretended like I hadn't stolen the design directly from Brent's crew, B5B, who stole the design from the fraternities at NCCU where he and John's dad worked. The following week, I took a gray Beetle sweatshirt from my brother David's chest of drawers, which was so old that you could no longer make out the decal that once occupied the front. My mom took me to Specialties at South Square Mall, where I handed the old man behind the counter a pencil-drawn blueprint of the sweatshirt design. And 10 to 12 minutes later, I had solidified my first rap group with custom threads. The next day at school, I told Raheem the news. And only a few days after that, he had some news of his own. Yo, I got it! What? I said. My sweatshirt! You did? I shrieked in excitement. We gotta wear them tomorrow! Rahim had another idea and said we had to wait until Friday, a day that always buzzed with weekend excitement, providing the perfect setup for our debut. We met in the hall by our classroom two days later. I wore my navy blue and white suede Pumas and gray sweatshirt with the navy blue letters to match raheem showed up in a fresh pair of black and red suede adidas gazelles and gray sweatshirt with black letters we looked like a real rap group and when we saw miss b standing at the threshold of the classroom we decided to initiate her into our fan club first before moving on to the student body besides she was older and influential a tastemaker if you will hey miss b raheem said you like our shirts let me see she said politely inspecting our gear thoroughly putting her hands on our shoulders to turn us around and expose the backs nice guys she said what salt and pepper you guys starting a restaurant she said giggling and slapping her knee as only a southern bred, culottes clad white woman would it's our rap group i shouted rap group oh that's cute Maybe you guys want to help me teach today. You could rap the lesson. I bet the other kids are really like that. Hippity and hoppity and we love math. (laughs) It was the worst rap I had ever heard in my life. Clearly she didn't get it. It wasn't cute that we were rappers. It was cool that we were rappers. We ended up back in the tub that afternoon feeling defeated and deflated. We decided we'd work on our first song and prove to everyone that we were the real deal. And because we had no reference point other than the music of our idols, we wrote what sounded like a pretty decent Run D M C impression, complete with a back and forth rap style and serious vocal inflection. It had no title, no beat, no chorus, and just one verse. What's salt and pepper, and there's no, no other, other. We're chilling with Lays, and we don't wear leather. We're not. Crazy, we're not just funny, just fill the bags with that sweet young money. I'm Josh the salt, I like the fruit loops. I'm Raheem the pepper in the fresh group. We rock to the east, we rock to the west. And I'll tell you one thing, my crew will never fess. I swear we had to have stolen most of those lyrics from somewhere, because I don't even know what it means to fess. Back in 86, it was essential to yell Rah! at the end of your verse to let all the imaginary sucka MCs know that you were serious about what you were saying and let your fans know that you were tough. That was only the beginning. I continued to listen to hip-hop exclusively for the next few years. I spent every Saturday night listening to In The Mix with DJ Smokehouse on Foxy 107 FM while filling blank cassette tapes with as many songs as I could. But I never wrote another rap. Until I was 12, that is.